Uh, um, just, just kind of for your information, and if you would pray for um, Tammy, Tammy Swearingen's just not not feeling well um, this morning, and so she ended up having to leave this morning. But she's not really sure what's going on, but she is not feeling well. So if you'll remember uh, Miss Tammy to the Lord in prayer, Brother Hill. I uh, always, always enjoy it when a pastor t- tells me just before I go up to the pulpit that you have, you have this amount of time. Because particularly after 25 years of working among the Navajo people who have no concept of time, I find, I find that humorous. We, uh, we often would say we were going to start at 11 o'clock in the morning to preach. By 11.15, there'd be nobody there. By 11.30, they'd all come meandering in, wandering in. I got to the point where I had to lie to them (laughs) and tell them what time we were starting in order to get in there in time enough for us to start. But whatever time I said we were coming in, it was going to be 30 minutes after that that we were going to be able to get started. That bothered me a lot for many, many years. I used to complain a lot about it. But then I realized one day that I've never seen an empty chair come down the aisle to get saved. So might as well wait till the chairs are full before I get started, right? <laughs> now, I understand that we have more, more scheduling uh, back here in the East. And we are, we are raised in this part of the country that five minutes early is on time. Uh, and I appreciate and respect that. I may not abide by it, but I appreciate it and respect that. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of a joke I heard about a young family that, that came to know the Lord. Uh, they had never been churched before. Uh, though the father had some background in church, but uh, the children did, did not. Uh, so they, they came to church, except the Lord, they came to church. And the little five-year-old daughter was at that, Why? 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 Why stage? And you know, those of you who've raised children, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So they came in, and, and uh, there was, they, got, they got to the front door, and the ushers were at the front door, and they shook their hands and greeted them, gave, greeted them, gave them a visitor card, and the little girl said, what does that mean? What does that mean? And Daddy was being very patient, and he said, well, I just, that's, they're greeting you. They want to have our address so they can get back in contact with us. It's part of making you feel welcome in the church. She went, okay. So they, and they came on in, they sat down, and the song leader got up there, and he started swinging his, swinging his hands around like song leaders do. And she said, Daddy, Daddy, what, what does that mean? What does that mean? She said, well, he's trying to keep us on track with what we're singing, so we're all singing together and saying, making a beautiful noise. And she said, oh, okay, she answered that. A few minutes later, the, the ushers came down and started passing the, passing the plate around, and people were putting money, money in, in, in the plate. And she Daddy, what does that mean? And she said, well, sweetie, the church has expenses. The lights have to be paid for. There's expenses that have to be paid, and they're collecting an offering to take care of the expenses of the church. Okay. Then the preacher got up, got out there, took his watch off and laid it up there, and and she said, Daddy, Daddy, what does that mean? She said, honey, that doesn't mean a thing. It's been, a, it's been a joy, an absolute joy to serve the Lord 
in the area of world missions over the last 36 years. I am so grateful that God called us into the, into the ministry. Uh, we, we had other plans. I had other plans. I had my life pretty well all laid out as to what I wanted to do. I was planning on going to Western Carolina University, majoring in, in forestry, and spending the rest of my life as a forest ranger somewhere up in the mountains. God changed that <laughs> very, very rapidly. And we have spent the last 36 years just, just enjoying doing what God has called us to do through the, through the trials, through the difficult times. And I've spent the last two times with the men talking about some rather serious Serious things uh, with missionaries and, and missionary attrition and, and, and things like that. Um, and Pastor alluded to the fact that what our, our job is right now is to uh, provide pastoral care uh, for our missionary for our missionary families. And we've told you that. Now think about that for a minute. Who is the pastor to the missionary? Aren't you grateful? You should be. Aren't you grateful that you have a pastor that when there's a problem comes into your life, you can go right to him. And you can share with him, and he can give you good godly counsel about the issues in life that everybody has. But who does that for the missionary? Does he call back and tell his supporting church that he's having problem with his eldest son who is rebellious and da-da-da-da-da-da-da? What do you think might happen if he did that? Well, you can take your, you can take your choice on that, but most missionaries will not put these kind of challenges into, into the prayer letters. But um, we are there to help them through the difficult things that they face on the mission field. I mentioned it to Sunday school class, a whole list of different things that causes missionaries to leave the field. But we, are, we, we go, we've, we have been to, to Greece, we've been to uh, Togo, West Africa, we've been to Dominican Republic a number of times, we've been to Japan, we've been to Ecuador. Did I leave anything out? I covered all. And uh, in, in each of these cases, we went down there uh, to be of assistance to our to our missionary to our missionaries who were there. We didn't go to be entertained. We didn't go to be have a vacation. We didn't go just to see foreign countries. Though I surely enjoyed going to Ecuador and eating guinea pig. Uh, we went to we went to Japan. The, they picked us up at the airport and took us immediately to a sushi restaurant where all the sushi came out in a conveyor belt around the whole restaurant. How many of you really like sushi? How many of you think of sushi as bait? <laughs> About the same number there. Well, that was one of the things that we have in there. But we were there to encourage them. And we spent time with a veteran missionary family that knew what they were doing. They didn't need us to tell them how to do their ministry. They knew exactly. Uh, Takafumi is Japanese. He's working in the area his family grew up in, which is even more difficult because it's a very, very traditional culture, in, in particularly in that area. But they just needed someone to listen to them. And we, we spent the time with, with them. Um, they showed us their ministry. We were able to do different things. Dora told you ladies some of the stuff that we did on, have done on these, on these trips, so I won't repeat, repeat all of it. But we walked away from there knowing that we had been an encouragement to a senior missionary family who were going to continue in their work, encouraged, because we were there to help them. And that is the ministry that God has laid on our hearts in our latter years. I'm 66. 
I have aches and pains. If I, if, I, if I do preach all ten points to my message today, I'm probably going to reach over there and grab that stool and sit down on it for a little while. But still, we have the opportunity to serve the Lord, regardless of the, regardless of the situations. This has been a tough time. I'm spitting at that thing. <laughs> this has been a tough time. We live in a, in a difficult era, don't we? How many of you have lost friends to COVID? Yeah, oh, yeah. I've seen it. Some, sometimes in tragic, tragic situations. My youth pastor died alone in a hospital because they would not allow his family to be with him during the COVID. But we still, we have opportunity. We still have opportunities to serve, to serve the Lord. Our responsibilities don't change. The Lord told us, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That go ye does not depend on the situation that you and I live in. Now you think for a minute. You do a little bit of study. You go back and look at the... I'm a history buff. The History Channel and I are very familiar with each other. I correct it all the time. <laughs> but I'm a, I'm a history buff. You go back look at the first century A.D., you go back and look at what the church, the, the church in Acts was going through. The living conditions that they lived under. The persecution that they lived under. And you see that... They, they, but you, then you look at the reading, uh, readings of Paul. The writings of Paul. And, 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 and the book of Philippians. Joyful. Paul writing that while he's in prison. And he wasn't in a prison where he had a comfortable warm bed. <laughs> And yet, yet we, uh, the responsibility to continue sharing the gospel with others is, uh, is an ongoing thing for each and every one of us who know the Lord as Savior. I'm so grateful that at 17, another teenager set me down and told me the gospel of, of Jesus Christ, how Jesus came to, and sacrificed his life on Calvary's cross, shed his blood to cover my sins, and if I would accept him as, as Savior, I could be saved and spend eternity in heaven. Sounded like a pretty good deal to me <laughs> yeah, at that time. And I accepted Christ as my Savior. I'm from a basically broke, broken home. And uh, there, was some st- there was stability in that that I was craving. And God used that, used that. And it's been a deep desire throughout my ministry, throughout the years that we've served in different areas. And we've served in different areas on the reservation. And two, two main, one on the New Mexico side and one on the, on the Arizona side. Uh, both under very, very different circumstances. Uh, some very difficult things. Some, through all of it, our, our goal has been to honor the Lord Jesus Christ in all we did. I learned 1 Corinthians 10.31, the wilds is a teenager. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. That became a part of my life and has remained a part of my life all these years. So through all these times. Uh, and I've, I've learned that discouragement is something that every one of us can experience in our lives. It comes, to, it comes to us all. I don't care whether we're Mr. Sanguine who's happy all the time or whether we're Miss, Miss Melancholy who always sees the dark side. I don't care whether I see the, the glass half full or half empty. Uh, discouragement can come to anybody. 
And we need, as Christians, to learn to be able to deal with the discouragement that comes into our lives. And it's been a deep personal goal in my life, and it's probably one in yours as well, that when the Lord sees fit to take Tom Hill out of this, out of this life, whether it's today, tomorrow, or 20 years from now, I hope, <laughs> that I will end that life faithfully serving the Lord Jesus Christ to the best of my ability. Now, at 66, I'm not able to do the things I could do at 56 or 46. Oh, I long for 36. <laughs> but regardless of that, there are things I can do with, for the Lord in the situation I'm in. And this is so vitally important that we catch this. And Paul, and Paul um, I'll refer back to this in a, in a few minutes. Paul, at the very end, one of his last messages in 2 Timothy 4, 7, he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. Wow. Wow, think about it. And if you know anything about the Paul's life, you know it was anything but easy. But the joy that he, that he had in being able to serve the Lord is something that we can have, and God wants us to experience. Though he understands when we'll have times of discouragement. Just because you get discouraged, for the, discouraged in your life does not mean that you're in the depths of sin. It means you're discouraged. It may mean that your back hurts. It may mean that you can't see anymore. You know, it, 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 it may mean you can't walk anymore. Got to have a stick. Uh, it, it, no matter what it means, it doesn't mean that you're in, in sin. It just means you're discouraged. And I want to encourage you today not to let discouragement get you down. Because Satan wants you to be discouraged. His goal is to discourage and, see, and destroy. To seek and destroy. That's his goal. God wants us to be joyful in the, the knowledge that we serve a risen Savior who's in the world today. And to be able to share that with other people. Very few sour people lead folks to the Lord. <laughs> it's just the truth. And if you get sour in your Christian life, you can actually repel people. So it's important for us to remember. So I mean, I've got, actually got ten points here. I could probably preach until about three o'clock this afternoon on this. But I won't. And I'm going to, so fasten your seat belts. I'm going to slip through, try to slip through ten points really, really quickly. And when this is all said and done, Dora's going to pull me aside and said, you should have spent more time on, on point two. You should have spent more time on point three or, more, or point four. But lunchtime is coming, so I need, I need, to, get, I need to get a, a hustling on this. Number one, to finish well, and I wish I could take credit for these ten things, but I can't. I have to give credit to another missionary, a fellow by the name of, of uh, Jeff Bush, who shared these ten things, things with me, and I've kind of adapted them to my, myself. But in order to finish well, we need to realize that life is all about God. And He wants us to talk to Him. What happens to your friend if you don't talk to him? They go away. Now, God's not gonna, never going to leave you or forsake you, but he wants to talk to you. He wants you to talk to him. We need to, uh, to 
realize that throughout the toughness of life and the questions that we don't have the answers for, that God does. He wants us to seek His face, to His guidance and His, and His wisdom. Uh, Hebrews uh, 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly, come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain, good word, find grace, good word, and help, and to help in the time of need. Wow, there's some excellent phrases in that verse. Obtain, find grace, get help. These are all promises that God gives us in his word that he will never leave us and forsake us, that he will provide for us, and they're good promises to hang on to during a time of discouragement. And please don't try to tell me you never get discouraged. If you do, I'm going to smile at you very graciously and call you a liar. Because we do, we all go, we go, we go through the, these times. Uh, so we need to be able to realize and keep a focus on the fact that life is about God for Christians. We are here for one reason. We would be way better to be accept the Lord as Savior and immediately be taken on to, Lord, to our home in heaven and not have to go through the aging process. How many of you realize that aging is, being old is not for sissies? Yeah, yeah, but we need to realize it's all about it's all about God and, and and His grace and His wisdom, His unfailing care is there for us. It's a wellspring overflowing that we can tap into. Okay, so we need to realize it's about what number two to finish well. We need to have faith. We need to keep the faith. Faith is believing and hoping in what we cannot see. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Anybody here see Jesus this week? If you did, I really need to talk to you. Yeah, we, all have, we have placed our faith. We have placed our faith in something that we have never seen. All of us have come to believe something that our eyes have not seen, our hands are not touched, but we will. We will in the future. And somehow, as, as a Christian, it seems to be very, very easy for us to just rest on the fact of our salvation, that God's able to maintain it, right? It, isn't, that, isn't that a confidence? It's a confidence that we have. Why don't we have confidence that he's going to take care of us through the difficult situations in life? We question that, but we don't question our salvation. And honestly, there's really no difference there. God's just as able to keep you from your salvation as he and he's going to keep you throughout your life as well. That doesn't mean you won't go through some stuff, but he's going to be right there with you. So to finish well there, we, we must keep our faith. To finish well, we, number three, we must organize our priorities. To take time and make sure that our priorities are where they should be. Uh, anybody ever get distracted? Okay, I think I can tell a story here that some of you are going to blush and say, that's me. I went, I went out to check the mail. I stepped out the door and I realized the bird feeder was empty. So I stepped around to the corner of the garage where the bucket I keep, and I got some bird feed and I put it in, in the bird feeder. I took three or four more steps, and I thought, oh, man, that, that hose bib's leaking, and it's wintertime. I need to make sure that water's not going to freeze. 
So I went to, to tighten the hose bib on there and realized the washer was bad in the hose bib. And so I had to go to the workshop and I had to get my plumbing tools. And I had to see if I couldn't find some, some uh, washers for the faucet. And I got that done. I got the leak stopped. And I came out back from that and I realized that the, the, the chicken feed was empty out of the chicken coop. I had to, go, I had to get some chicken feed for them. And, and doggone it, that, that, that old rooster's been pecking at that hen again and I need to put a little bit of, of medicine. Now what I start to do? Three and a half hours later, I got to the mailbox. You see, I got, dist- I got distracted. Anybody understand? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in, 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 indeed. We have to organize our priorities in, in, in life. Because we have senior, senior moments. I live in a senior moment. It's my normal state. And I'm old enough now, I don't care whether you like it or not. <laughs> One thing I like about being senior is I'm not afraid to talk to young people anymore. I'll, just, I'll be glad to tell them what they're doing wrong. <laughs> but we got to organize. Organize our prayer. We have a job to do. Philippians 3.14 says, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I work for, I press, I work for the mark of, of excellence, of excellence of knowledge for the prize of the high calling, for doing what God wants us to 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 uh, accomplish God's will in our lives. That takes effort, and that takes some organization in our life, too. And to finish well, we need to be, we, we need to be organized. If you seek to compete in a sport, there are rules and regulations that you have to abide by. You have to have a certain amount of training uh, in order to gain the prize, the victory. We're watch. well, maybe some of you are watching the Olympics. I've I'm too angry to turn them on. Turn them on right now, but I've already heard about one person that's being denied a prize because if he hadn't done something right. That happens. But we we have to be have to fo- an athlete has to focus on his goal and sometimes has to sacrifice things that he would normally want to do in order to accomplish that goal. And that's serving serving our Lord is the same way. We need to focus on it. We need to focus on it. Sometimes we need to sacrifice some of the things that we would like to do in order to do what God would have us do. Amen. If this or your computer becomes more important than what God wants you to do, you've got an idolatry problem. And we see an idolatry problem in the country we live in right now. And folks, it's not just the kids. It's not just the kids. We need to focus Focus on what God wants us, to, wants us to do. To organize our priorities. Number four. To finish well, we must have integrity. Integrity. Your character is who you are when no one is looking. Doing right when nobody sees it. Doing right simply to honor our Savior. 
And we live in a period of time when integrity is not popular. Within our society today, within this wokeism, within situation ethics, it's right or wrong depending on the situation. That's what the majority of people in the United States of America believe. That something is right or wrong depending on what the situation is. It's called situation ethics. We used to call that back in the 70s and 80s. They, they have other new names for it today. It's out of fashion. It's becoming uh, harder and harder to find. And I'm sorry, it's in Christians too. It's in Christians too. You see that in the compromise that we see within the church and uh, in other areas uh, as well. In 1896, an author by the name of Charles Sheldon wrote a book called In His Steps. Now, some of you may have read that book, and particularly if you have a little bit of snow on the mountaintop, I guarantee you, you've probably read In His Steps. The phrase that became popular in that was, what would Jesus do? It became really popular in the 90s. Everybody had armbands that said, what would Jesus do? I think I have a couple of those still at the house. WWJD, what would Jesus do? And while that may have been written in 1896, it is a good question for you to ask today. What would Jesus do? When you have a decision to make, what would Jesus do? Why is it important to do the right thing? Well, it's important to do the right thing because Hebrews 12, 1 tells, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, let us lay aside let us uh, uh, the sins which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking at the Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Praise the Lord. I get thrills every time I read that verse. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Integrity takes hard work. But to finish well, it's something we have to hang on to. Integrity takes determination. And integrity pleases our Savior. Number five, to finish well, you have to check your attitude. <laughs> attitude. What is an attitude? It's a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something, typically one that is reflected in a person's behavior. An attitude is your choice. It's a choice you make. Well, you don't know what people... Well, you know, I don't care what people did. You made the choice to have the bad attitude. Hmm. Well, they... So-and-so did this and this. But you chose to have the bad attitude. Hmm. No one else determines your attitude. You do it yourself. You choose the type you will display. You can't blame anybody else. If you choose to have a bad attitude towards someone or something, it will color the way you treat that person or think about them or respond to them as well. Anybody else, anybody else other than me, I got my hand up, been guilty of having a bad attitude? Why do all the women raise their hand there? Not many of the men rose their hand. <laughs> raised their hands. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> oh, my word. Okay. Those of you who have had a bad attitude, let me ask you one more question. Did it ever help? Why do you do it? 
is there something wrong up here? <laughs> Why did you do it? If it ain't going to help, then don't do it. Don't touch that stove. Something wrong with that boy. Apply that to attitude. Apply that to attitude. Likewise, I've never seen anybody with a bad attitude leading people to the Lord. If we don't want things in our lives, it's going to keep us from fulfilling the Great Commission. To keep us from fulfilling the goal that we have to share the love of Jesus with other people. Can you even imagine Jesus having a bad attitude? And he's our example? Absolutely, absolutely. So to finish well, we must watch our attitude. Uh, to finish um, well, sometimes we have to take risks. We have to put some feet to that faith. We have to be willing to step forward on things that we don't see sometimes. God told you to go and share the gospel. That means go and share the gospel whether you really want to or not. Whether you're, oh, but I'm afraid. They'll think I'm weird. I've lived long enough to where I know it don't matter if someone thinks you're weird. (laughs) There's always somebody who's going to think you're weird. You're really lucky if your spouse doesn't think you're weird. But that doesn't keep you from talking to your spouse. I mean, sometimes you have to take some risks on things. God calls you to do something. God called us to go to the mission field. When when I went to the mission field, we didn't have any job. We couldn't hold a job on deputation. The only income Dora and I had when we first started out on deputation was I was still in the National Guard and I got $129 a month from the Army for one weekend a month. That was all we had coming in. And yet we had to travel all the places I talked about in Sunday school, I, we had to travel and, uh, and spend lots of money. And God provided. If I was so scared, I said, well, there's not the money to do it. If I had depended on seeing the balance sheet balance, would I have ever gotten to the mission field? No. Neither would your other missionaries back there on the board. You have to be willing, when God calls you, you have to be willing to step out and do it. It's called submission to the Holy Spirit. So we have to be willing to do what we need. Uh, my life verse that I took for myself not long after I learned 1 Corinthians 10, 31, was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not in thine own understandings. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy paths. I know my own understandings. I didn't, I didn't understand. Believe me, I knew nothing about what was involved when I became a Christian at 17. I thought I did. (laughs) I was a typical teenager. But I knew nothing about it. I had to trust. I had to trust God to take the... He says, I want you to be be a missionary. A what? I want you to be a missionary. What do they do? I had to study. I had to be willing to take the... I had to be willing to make a commitment to agree to do something that I did not know how it was going to turn out. I couldn't let fear stop me. And as the older we get, as we start to get more infirm, and we all will, we have a tendency to start pulling back from the things that God would have us do because, frankly, we just don't feel good. 
But what an opportunity we have to share. We have the experience. All of us that have snow on the mountaintops. We have the experience to share with younger folks today that desperately need it. They're not getting wisdom in society. Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Where are they going to learn it? They're going to learn it from grandma and grandpa, mom and dad, great aunt, great uncle. Be willing to take, take risks. Take risk. Number seven. To finish well, we have to show courage. This goes right along with taking risks. It takes courage to, to, to serve the Lord sometimes. Now, I'm going to share a real quick illustration that has nothing to do with uh, the Bible. It actually came from Hollywood. <gasps> but it's an illustration of something the Bible teaches. Now, do we have any... Adventure movie fans who used to like to watch things like Indiana Jones. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if you remember Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. There was a a point where he had to take a step of faith. He was looking down what looked to be an abyss in front of him. And he had to take a step, step of faith. And he took the step of faith. And there was, of course, there was a bridge there to hold him up that he couldn't see. We don't rest on a bridge. We rest on the Lord Jesus Christ. And God will help us when we have the courage to take the steps we need to take. To finish well, we need to... And all these things are cumulative together, folks, because they help us to, to show forth the joy of serving Jesus more when we, keep, when we, when we follow these as well. I've got to move it on. I'm getting behind. We've got to show courage. Uh, in the Bible, in Joshua chapter 3, uh, the children of Israel were going to cross into, into the promised land. They were walking along the route. They'd been wandering in the wilderness. They'd seen the Lord's part the Red Sea. They'd seen the water give, the rock give water. They'd seen all kinds of different, different uh, miracles of God. They came to the Jordan River during the earlier rains when the river was flooding. And God said, cross it. How many of you ever stood on the bank of a flooded river? I have. I have seen the power of water. I have seen water in a washout in New Mexico bury a Jeep in less than 15 minutes in sand. I've seen the power. But God said, walk across. Uh, are you serious? Walk across. Are you sure? Walk across. Okay. So they put the ark there and the priests, and they walked towards the river. They walked towards the river. The river's flooded. It's flooded. It's flooded. It's flooded. It's flooded. It's flooded. They walk. When the sole of the feet touched the water, God stopped it. And here's the point you may not realize. God stopped it and dried it. More than one miracle right there. He stopped it and dried it so they could walk across on dry land. No mud. A good Jewish mother couldn't say, don't you track mud into my tent. There was no mud to walk. It crossed over on dry land. But it didn't stop. God didn't stop it until they took the step of faith. They had to be willing to do that. It's the same way in our Christian life. God doesn't always show us in advance what he's going to do. God is seldom early. But he's never late. He's never late. We have to have courage. Have, have courage. To finish well, we have to have perseverance. We have to hang 
on. We have to hang on. One of my favorite quotes came, comes from our 16th president, who was Abraham Lincoln. Very good. Now, this quote I'm going to give you has been stolen by a lot of preachers. But it originates with Abraham Lincoln. When you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. Wow. Perseverance. We heard all, there's all other kinds of, of, of quotes about that kind of thing. But we have to, we have, to have perseverance. We have to hang on. That, you know, we fight a battle. We are at war. We're looking in our country right now at seeing uh, the beginning of possibly a major war in the European theater. We are in war. We have been at war against the powers and principalities of Satan. That's why in Ephesians 6 he gave us the armor of God to put on. Armor doesn't do any good if it hangs in the closet. Armor only works when we put it on. When we put it on. We have to have perseverance. We have to wear the armor. We have to wear the armor when we get uncomfortable in it. Armor is not... I've had a suit of armor on. I had a, a, a Japanese armor put on me while I was in Japan. Samurai armor. It was grossly uncomfortable. Our armor of the, the armor of God is not always comfortable to wear, but it will protect us, and it is promised to protect us. So we have to have perseverance in everything that we do. Um, I also like the uh, the quote that uh, Winston Churchill gave during the bombing of uh, London: "Never give up, never give up, never give up." Wow, that's our life: never give up. The reward is coming. God's going to reward. It's coming, but never, never give up. To finish well, number nine, we're almost getting down here. To finish well, <laughs> we've got to be flexible. Ouch. How many of you remember years ago, you young, younger folks won't remember this, I'm sure, but you older ones will, the cartoon figure Gumby. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what could Gumby do? He was flexible. And with apologies to the United States Marines, well, our motto needs to be Semper Gumby. Always flexible. Always flexible. Folks, in Christian service, things are not always going to go your way. They're not. You're not always going to get what you think you ought to get. But to be real honest, if we, if we examine our lives and the things that we want and that we're really going to... Does any of that matter in view of eternity? Brother Bill Hill taught me a number of years ago the saying that the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And that sounds a bit trite, doesn't it? But it's so very true. It don't matter what color the carpet is. It don't matter what light gets hung in the foyer. It don't matter whether the, the, uh, par- the lines in the parking lot face east or west. It don't matter what chairs you have in the fellowship hall. It, I, I could go on. And I've seen churches fight over all those things I just mentioned, by the way. 
But in the, in the greater scheme of life, in finishing well, in having the joy in serving Jesus, it doesn't matter about those things. We need to be flexible with our life. There are truths in the Word of God that we will stand and we will die on. But the simple things that most people fight over are simply not worth it. They do not honor Jesus. And that's something we all have to, we all, we all have to remember that. Each and every one of us. Each and every one. So to finish well, we have to, to, to be flexible. And we can't hide the things like, well, we've always done it that way. Or mom and daddy didn't do it that way. Or if it ain't broke, don't fix it. My favorite. <laughs> are you a string or are you a rubber band? A string stretches just so far. And it'll break and be ineffective. Or a rubber band will stretch and go back and stretch and go back and continue to be effective much, much longer than a string will. Frankly, I'd rather be a rubber band. I wish I could convince my back of that. But I'd rather be, I'd rather be a rubber band, to be flexible. Solomon, as an old man, said in Ecclesiastes, to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. And you know all these, the rest of this, these verses. A time to be born, time to die, time to plant, time to pluck up, plant, time to kill, heal. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. All of this speaks of the inevitable changes that are going to come in, in, into our lives. And we need to be, be flexible. Number 10 and final. To finish well, we need to keep growing. We need to keep growing. The word of God is a rich well springing up that never runs dry. And we never need, we shouldn't think, well, I've been, I've been a Christian for 50, 50 years. I've learned all I need to learn. I, I, I don't need to learn anymore. I'm getting old. Let the young people take care of it. No. No. That's not what God wants of us. To finish well, we have to keep growing. Uh, Ephesians 4.15 says, But speaking the, the truth and love may grow up into him all things which is the head, even Christ. 1 Peter 2.2, 2, As a newborn babe desires the sincere milk of the world that you may grow thereby. 2 Peter 3.18, But grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. This is a continual command. To continually grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, and the truth of the matter is, there never comes a point in our lives where we are allowed to sit on our past experiences and cease growing in the Lord. There's no retirement plan from being a Christian. There may be a retirement plan in your, in your vocation, and by necessity you may have to stop doing some things, but there's no retirement plan with being a Christian. Um, not long ago, my wife and I met a woman in, uh, which grocery store were we in? Was that in Walmart or was that in Ingalls? Doesn't matter. In a grocery store. And she was pushing a cart with one of those canes that has the four, four feet on it in one hand, humped over, trying to push the cart around. And she pushed the cart right, right into us. And we st- she was looking for an opportunity to talk to us. She was the widow of a pastor who had passed away a number of years ago, and she wanted to talk to people about Jesus. And if it took running us over with the cart to get our attention, 
she was willing to do it. And she was just very weak and, and feeble. But she wanted to give Jesus the glory. She wanted to be sure that we knew him and knew where we were going. Yeah, goosebumps thinking about it even, even now. That's my goal. I may not always be able to sit behind a desk in Landmark Baptist Missions. I may not be always be able to get on the airplane and fly down to Ecuador at 10,000 feet. <laughs> and, and I may not always be able to give counsel to the missionaries that we deal with. But I pray that I will always be able to glorify God through my life and through the, the opportunities that God brings in my life. This is not your typical Sunday morning message. This is more of a message for, for, the, for the Christians. But I want to challenge you because discouragement is so prevalent among the church today. Particularly if you listen to the news Every problem is an opportunity. People are going to ask you, what do you think about this? Well, here's a chance to share Jesus. What do you think about the Speaker of the House? Yeah, use it as an opportunity to talk about Jesus, not you know who. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You get where I'm coming at, folks? And this is the, I want to encourage you, I encourage you on this. You send missionaries out around the world. They depend on you to do the things that they do. But you as a church, to continue to send the missionaries, need to be growing and being a lighthouse. This is a mission. It used to be they had signs above doors and churches. You are now entering the mission field. And that is so true. Your mission field is Rankin, Georgia, and the area surrounding and the circle of influence that you have. Remember these ten things and continue on serving Jesus. Let's pray. Pastor. All right, our heads are, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Maybe you're here this morning. You've never placed your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Can I tell you this morning... And God loves you, and He died for you, and He rose for you, and He wants to save you this morning. And maybe that's you. Maybe you say, I I'm not sure about it, preacher. I've been thinking about that. The Lord's been convicting my heart about that, and I, I, I ask you to pray for me. Maybe, you're maybe that's you this morning. You say, preacher, uh, please remember me in your closing prayer. I'm not sure I'm saved. Here's my hand. Pray for me. Uh, just slip your hand up and right back down this morning, and I'll pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you.